A very good morning. It is good to see human beings again, other than just a few. So uh, my mic didn't work in the first service, so Lord willing, it will work in this service. I have no idea why. It could have been that I didn't turn it on, um, which may have been likely. Um, I also want to, before I begin this morning's message from 1 Corinthians 12, is just to recognize the children that are in here. I want to make just a couple promises to you. Uh, I'm, here's promise number one. I am not Miss Shannon. So I'm going to be much more boring, and it's probably not going to be as fun, which leads us to the second promise. Um, I, I'll try to be uh, quick and fast so and not take so much time. So if you have a Bible there with you in your table, or uh, Lord willing, those of you at home, if you have a Bible, and I hope that you do, I want to invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians 12. That's where we are landing this morning, verses 1 through 13. Don Carson was the New Testament scholar at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, where I was. And while he was there, chapters of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, he titled the whole book on the basis of verse 7 in our context this morning. And it's showing the Spirit. Showing the Spirit. To him, that is what this whole section is about. Showing the Spirit. So as you can see uh, behind me, I've completely ripped off the title of his book. And so I just want to make that disclaimer. Um, so Showing the Spirit is the title of my message this morning. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity... Um, he has been born of the Virgin Mary. He lived performing the works of God, discipling, teaching his disciples all things. He then is crucified. He was buried. He rose again. He showed many. And then he ascended into heaven. To be true, and what we hear on Pentecost year after year, and this isn't a bad thing, so I don't want you to, to hear this as being critical, is that the Holy Spirit is given to those of us that are His disciples. He leads us, He guides us, He helps us, He teaches us, He gifts us, but I think what we fail to perceive and understand is what Paul is teaching the church here at Corinth. That when you are a child of God, the Holy Spirit is manifested through you for the good of others. Through you. God is manifested in your life. God the Spirit becomes visible through your life. You, if you're a child of God this morning, are to show the Spirit of God to people that you come in contact with. And the result of this manifestation of God the Spirit and the life of the church, good comes to people. It is good for people to see God. It is good for us to see the manifestations of God's Spirit in each other's lives. So here's, here's the, the sermon in a nutshell. This context is right at the heart of what it means to be a Christian individually and what it means to be the church corporately. So what it means to be a Christian individually, what it means to be the church corporately. 
I'll give you the outline of where we're going. Verses 1 to 3, Paul gives us the mark of true spirituality. He's going to tell us the truly spiritual person is Christ-centered. He's not gift-centered. She's not gift-centered. Christocentric, not charismatic. They're all about Jesus, not about their great gifts. That's the mark of true spirituality. Then verses 4 through 11, he'll tell us about the ministry of a truly spiritual person. So the marks, or the mark of true spirituality, and then the ministry of the truly spiritual person. If the marks of true spirituality is Christ-centeredness, rather than self-centeredness and gift-focused, then the rest of that ministry starts to happen through you and in your life and in the church. And there will be a focus on edifying, serving others, not promoting self. So the marks of true spirituality, Christocentric, not charismatic, the ministry of a truly spiritual person, edification, not self-promotion. That's the teaching of the apostle in a nutshell in the first 11 verses of this chapter. So let's look at the first mark of true spirituality. The primary mark of a truly spiritual person is the lordship of Jesus Christ. And you see that in verses 2 and 3. Look with me. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say what? Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So Paul basically is saying, you were once led away from Christ by idols. Idols that have really nothing to say. They're, they're dumb, they're idiotic, they have no message, they have no good news. But all this has changed because of the work of the Spirit. You are now marked... By the lordship of Jesus, you are now a people who have ceased treating Jesus as a curse to be rejected and now follow him as Lord. The key sentence is right there at the end of verse 3. You see it? No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The, the marks of true spirituality are people who live under the lordship of Jesus. Who aim to think the way that he says to think. Who aim to feel the way that he says to feel. And who aim to do what he says to do. These are, these are the people who each have a manifestation of the Spirit because they cannot live like this except by the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit invades the human heart, makes us new creatures in Christ... What was once a word of rejection and rebellion becomes now a word of adoration, of glad-hearted submission, a word of rejoicing, as we've heard this morning, to pledge of allegiance. Since the earliest Christian creed, Jesus is Lord of my life. No one can say, right? Paul says no one can say. 
He doesn't mean no one can mouth the words unless the Holy Spirit enables them. What he means is no one can say from the heart. With a joyful surrender and submission of their lives, no one can bend the knee to. No one can truly pledge allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ unless the Holy Spirit has erupted into their lives and made them new creatures. These are the people who each have a manifestation of the Spirit because they cannot live like this except by the Holy Spirit. The reason I say living under the Lordship of Jesus is the mark of each one rather than just saying Jesus is Lord is that Scripture and experience teach us that people can indeed say Jesus is Lord without any special work of the Holy Spirit. For example, right? We, we hear the words of Jesus in Matthew 7, where he says, Many will say to me on that day, what? Lord, Lord. Right? Lord, didn't we not prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Perform miracles in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never what? Never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So you can see from those words that practicing the lordship of Jesus is the issue. Not just saying that he's Lord. This is a lip service. Which is real easy to do. Alright? Painted smiles, putting off appearances, come to church, we say the words, we go home and we, we live for ourselves for the next six days and then we do it all over again. That's not what Paul's getting at. It is living like he is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He runs my life. I consult with him. I don't do what he forbids. I do what he commands. And when I fall short, which we will do, I feel bad and I repent and seek his forgiveness and I press on to trust him and obey him more and more fully. So the mark of true spirituality, do you see, is not giftedness, it's rather Christ-centeredness. The truly spiritual among us are besotted not with their own reflection, but with the glory of God shining in the face of Jesus Christ. We are to be a people Christ-centered. That's the mark of true spirituality. Self-forgetful, Christ-absorbed. It's a fundamental ministry of the Holy Spirit, certainly that we not shine upon ourselves, but always upon Christ. So there, there you go. There's the true spirituality, mark of true spirituality, lordship of Jesus. Now let's go on to ministry. So what about the ministry of a truly spiritual person? How, how does this look? What does this look like in the life of our parish experientially? Well, that's the second thing I want you to notice. The ministry, look at verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the what? Common good. Why are our gifts given? By the Holy Spirit that I might bless you and that you might bless me. That you might be a blessing to me. Gifts manifested through the power of the Holy Spirit are given so that we might bless one another. We, not priests, not deacons, not the bishop, Right? We, together, corporately, we bless one another. 
There's one in the same spirit behind all the varieties of gifts. You see that. Paul is just hammering this over and over. One in the same spirit works all these things. Verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Verse 5, there are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. Verse 6, there are varieties of effects, but the same God. Verses 8 and 9, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. And to another, the word of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same. Get, I mean, kind of picking it up. Paul clearly wants us to get the message. We are different in our gifts and ministries and effectiveness. Yes. No doubt about it. But those differences are not owing to many spirits. Right? Or, or bad faith or poor obedience. They're owing to one and the same Spirit of God. Diversity is owing to unity. That's the idea. Diverse. Right? You may be an ear, I may be an eye. I mean, this is what Paul kind of goes on to explain if you keep reading into chapter 13. Like, we're one body, maybe an ear, diverse completely, but united as one body. Neither Jew, nor Greek, nor white, nor black, yellow, red, same. United. And as we show diversity and unity, we manifest God. We're showing the Spirit of God. This ministry is a supernatural ministry. Supernatural. I said this in the first service. I'll say it again. Woe to the church when its business is down to such a science that it is manifested by human effort alone. Woe to that church. May it never be with St. Paul's that it's this human effort conjured up. May we always be led by a compass that is always sovereignly governed by the power and work of the Holy Spirit. That when we come together corporately, we pray and we seek the face of God with humility, asking, pleading Him to lead us. When we come together to worship and song, may we, may we not be collectively here for our entertainment, but to praise the King of kings and Lord of lords. When we preach from this pulpit and that pulpit over there, may the words of God flow to you and bless and edify your life that you would be changed. Because you don't want to hear the thoughts of a human being, you want to hear the words of God penetrating your heart and your mind. May the children of this parish learn to put their hope in God and not man. And as we show diversity and unity through our gifts, we manifest God, showing the Spirit of God for the common good. The Spirit of God is manifest for this purpose, the, the common good. The Spirit does not give us gifts and ministries so that we can boast in our own spiritual prowess. He gives gifts and ministries for two reasons. To manifest His glory and for the common good of the bride of Christ, the church. Gifts are for His glory and the good of the church. And so let me ask you, here, here are closing just some questions. This will help you. Help your families there at home. Let me ask you, who are you serving? Who are you serving? Now notice I didn't ask where do you serve. I want to know who you're serving individually. 
Who are you speaking Jesus into? What, what life are you making a difference in? That's the idea. Ministry is about people. It's about sharing the gospel of Christ. It's about service. It's not about busyness. So, who are you serving? Second question. Do you know how the Holy Spirit has gifted you? I don't want to be naive to think that everyone that's listening to this message is saying, I know exactly how I'm gifted by the Holy Spirit. You may may have been sitting there this whole time like, I have no idea how I'm gifted by the Holy Spirit. I know that he gifts his people, but I I have no idea. This is what I want you to do. It's very practical. It will be very helpful. Okay? So you need to email Kathy McGrew. Kathy's here in our service. Her email is kathym at stpaulsomerville.org. Kathy has a great little questionnaire that will take you through to help you sort out, kind of wrestle with what your spiritual gift is, which is real, which obviously, according to God's word this morning, it's really important that you know how you're, how you're gifted. I, I took it. My top three, I think, were faith, wisdom, and teaching. <laughs> and I wasn't, I mean, I'm a priest, so I, I guess I wasn't surprised. So um, I was like, wow, that actually was pretty, ac- I thought it was accurate, because I thought I knew my spiritual gift. I'm like, I'm just interested to see what this thing's going to say. And so that's how it came out with me. So it s- took me five minutes, super quick. This is a call to ministry. This is a call to ministry. The mark of a spiritual person is Christ-centeredness. The ministry of a spiritual person is to manifest the Spirit of God for the common good. And as we do, as we do this here at St. Paul, we have a reason to expect the Lord to do great things among us for his glory. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for 1 Corinthians 12. I pray, Lord, that you would use this message for your glory. May we manifest you wherever we go. May we be the hands and feet of Jesus. So, Lord, on this day, fill us again with your spirit. That St. Paul's would be a church on fire for your glory that many would come to Christ and that we would bless one another. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.